Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Moniac, and today DM Chris and I are sitting down with Greg Tito and Shelly Mazanoble from the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, aka Dragon Talk, and we're going to be talking about their book, Welcome to Dragon Talk, which I actually have in hand, even though it doesn't come out until December, because apparently if you buy it directly from the actual publisher, it comes way faster. Um, it's a wonderful book, and honestly, the intro is a super valuable tool to have someone else read to better understand what Dungeons and Dragons is and can be to the countless of people that love it. We get into that and so much more, but before we do, I have an Apple podcast review, and this one comes from Sam Skull, entitled Straightforward DM Talk, five stars. Keep up the great world building material and useful tips. DMs Chris, Mitch, Neil, and friends. You are always welcome at my table. DM Sam. DM Sam, thank you for that review, and hopefully we share a table and rolling those math rocks at one point or another. But with that out of the way, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So today on the meet, we have two returning guests. Uh, one, it's only been a couple weeks. The other, it's been a couple years. But um, we have Greg Tito and Shelly Mazanoble, the co-hosts of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Um, and thank you both for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So excited. Yeah. I So I have not been on a podcast with either no. of you at this point. So this is my first time getting to uh, have both of you on here. So I don't feel like I can ask the first question, Neil. I feel like it's got to be you that asked the first question. So, so as I stated, it's it's Shelley. It's been only a couple of weeks. Yes. Um, and Greg, it's been a couple of years. But what have you both been up to? Let's say lately, and it could be it could be anything. It could be how fun your home games are, the fact that maybe somebody started actually um, running some games, or just anything you can come to mind. Mm-hmm. I I have been doing something quite fun actually. That is. Reading the Wild Beyond the Witchlight because I am going to DM that for a wonderful family that lives in my neighborhood, a family that recently adopted my foster dog, and they have oh. two two young daughters, and they the dad and the one the older daughter have expressed interest in learning how to play D and D. Got to do it, and I thought Wild Beyond the Witchlight should be a really fun adventure for them because. It's a carnival. We're going to start at the carnival and we're going to play some carnival games. But I also love the whole like the the story hook of like you were here once before you and now like there's like all that like mystery and whimsy like I'm just going to drop them back at like the ticket booth and they're going to be like how do I get here? I only have like vague memories of being at the carnival before but they had an item that they had lost and they're trying to find it and like all the really cool npcs are coming back and i just like any spare time that i have i just have my little wild beyond the witchlight book tucked under my arm I'm like i'm just gonna read it and take notes i am finding it so inspiring though as like a fledgling dungeon master because it's there it was designed to be new dm friendly and i it really is like it's just like pluck a little from here and pluck a little from here. And I don't anticipate us even getting into the Feywild during this one-off that we're going to do, but 
if hopefully they want to continue playing, because I think, I mean, who wouldn't want to travel to the Feywild, especially if you were an eight and a 10 year old girl? You don't want to go to the Feywild? Feywild te- the Feywild terrified. I, <laughs> I, had, I had players that were just in the Feywild in my home game and it terrified Why, me. What terrifies you about telling me? I need the... Everything. Everything has an ulterior motive. In I know. That's what's so cool about everything. <laughs> oh, trust me. As a DM, I love it. But you asked the question, would you want to travel to the Feywild? And I'm like, absolutely not. I, like, I don't want to I mean, like, on the surface, if you're like, it's the land of fairies. And they'll be like, yes, take us to the Feywild. And then. Oh, they will love it. They will love it. And you can you can make it into whatever. Yeah. You, want. you don't have to be like, all right, and now I'm going to eat you. You don't have I to. I don't have that. to do that. But I, uh, I have, like, pages of notes, which I hope isn't. A bad idea because I, like I have gotten caught up in like over preparedness and then but I don't want to forget all the cool stuff that can happen. Someone someone put it really well recently in it because I think there was I think there were a lot of people over preparing for a long time and it, it I don't think over preparing is bad. I think it's how whole how tightly you hold what you have. Prepared. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that and was my problem. Like you can have mountains and mountains, but as long as you're not like death gripping that these things need to happen and that all of it could be and none of it is meaningless because it prepared you for the moments you see before you, but you you got to be okay with maybe none of it happens. Yeah, and there's like and there are so many story hooks that I want to like make sure I'm not putting too many of them in there and then it's like we actually don't know what what we're supposed are we supposed to find a lost displacer beast or are we supposed to like find the doll that i lost eight years ago or what's happening because they're new they've never played before right and the beautiful part is is you could run that scenario multiple different times and have different options each time depending on what players decide they want to go after or what hook actually hooks them in yeah and like when in doubt i also like overfeed people as well so like the, at least they'll leave my house thinking like i don't really know how to play Dungeons and dragons but the food was but really I got good, good. Food. and so i bought all this cotton candy and kettle corn and these i think they're just marshmallows but they were they're marketed as unicorn poop so obviously i had to buy those too and so we're just I'm going to like turn the whole thing into like a carnival experience. And I got like butterfly wings and maybe even a funny hat for me to wear as You're like you hired a guy with a, uh, uh, you know, a, a spinny thing and a yeah. monkey meat. Oh, we, we have balloon animals. <laughs> we have face painting. I have Chris. Yeah. I hired Chris Perkins to come over and, and be Mr. Light. And it's going to be great. <laughs> Is he the one in the unitard? Because that's, awesome. that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I was gonna say this is a weird. Is this a, D- is this a is this a Wizards of the Coast experience yeah, or is this a this uh, is an just, abnormally high bar? Just, that you've also just how we girls. do just how we do D and D in my house. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the first yeah, there you go. And then they'll go like play D and D at somewhere else, and they're gonna be like, "Wait, where's our cotton candy? What? <laughs> yeah. Where's our unicorn? Where's the, well, where's the live the unicorn? Now we're playing at Greg's house, and all we have are rat toilet or toilet." <laughs> Like, come on. This is way scarier. <laughs> yeah, right? That's how you get into the Feywild, through Greg's toilet. <laughs> <gasps> Just going to oh, jump right boy. in. <laughs> yeah. A friendly rat it's... will escort you. He's like, hello, yeah. join me. Alice in Wonderland has the white rabbit that it chases. This is the white rat. There's another story hook now. Ugh, I want to do it all. White, it was a white furry rat that was in my toilet, just so you guys know. It had like a brown spot on its shoulder. Like It was actually quite beautiful. <laughs> I think there's a reason why people like C.S. Lewis, who have people travel to different areas of or different dimensions, never use toilet. Right? <laughs> there's a reason. reason why. I love it. 
Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Well, excited to hear how that Me goes, too. Uh, Shelly. Greg, what have you been up to uh, over the past little while? I don't know if I can live up to that. Uh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I gotta, I'm working on a short film uh, called Ex-Husband. It will be complete very soon and be in, uh, hopefully in some film festivals that you'll people in various cities will be able to check out. Um, it is pretty exciting. That's been a, a, a lot of the last year or so has been working on this 15-page uh, uh, script and getting it up to speed for shooting. And then we shot it in August. And now we're in the post-production phase of talking about music and sound effects and, and editing and all that. And so it's been really fun to go back to uh, you know, using that that part of my my brain and, and, and making, a, making a short film. So that's been really fun. Wait, can you give us like the... the uh verbal trailer teaser of what the the film is about yeah it's about a high-powered uh woman executive who lives hard and fast and uh is kind of a jerk in her mode of speaking but in a funny way it's a black comedy um and uh, then she gets some really terrible news and has to reevaluate all of her vodka spiked lattes that she drinks right before uh board meetings and all that and see if there's 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 a better way out there uh, it's only it's about 15 minutes long and uh you know so it's packs in as much you know drama and and uh, uh comedy as it can in those 15 minutes and sometimes those short films do that in a much better and more succinct way than some of the longer films do for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. right exactly. you got to wrap it up quack or quick right because you only got you know beginning middle and end needs to go really fast yeah, it's like every a facial expression every mannerism like has something behind it because it has to totally yeah economy of, of 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 dialogue for sure the other question we have and you're already starting to lead into it is there anything else that you're working on and knowing the two of you that you can tell us about um that we can tell you about maybe maybe yeah. a, a book I, or two yeah. <laughs> oh. is there something about dragon talk coming out like you mean January this book or something that like i'm that? holding in my <laughs> hands oh feel the pages like yeah maybe you want to like plug that or something you know well so oh great i guess we got our got copies. We, we got our copies mattress. yesterday so we're we're so excited um no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing Craig and I uh, co-wrote a book called Welcome to Dragon Talk, which is a book of essays about some of, uh, well, 29 or so um, conversations that we've had with people on Dragon Talk and the ways that it has um, impacted us and inspired us and just shows a really nice uh, breadth of this amazing D&D community and the people who, who love this game. Greg's actually a lot better at that. The, the no, pitch. I was going to say that was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, because that's, yeah. Yeah, that, that's not usually I don't usually say that part, but that's just, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's coming out December 5th and uh, it's available for pre-order now. And there are at least two copies in the wild, one at Greg's <laughs> house and one at my house right now. But it was so cool to actually see it. Look, there's like words and stuff in it. Whoa. It Look at all those words. Lorem Ipsum in there. Just kidding. We had this prop I, made. Yeah, yeah it's just a prop. <laughs> yeah, just for this Zoom call where nobody will see it because we're a podcast. There you go. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm curious because you said there were like 29 essays. Are there like if you had to choose like one in there that you both are really excited about people reading, um, what would be maybe one that, uh, yeah, you're, you're most excited for people to read? I'll repeat myself. Gosh, I, those are, I mean, we love all of our essays equally. <laughs> 
uh, as well as our podcast guests. Um, uh, we've been highlighting a bunch of them over the last uh, few weeks and people that we've been talking to. So now I want to make sure I highlight one that we haven't talked about a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I this is I love uh, Shelley's essay uh, with um, Alicia Marie. Uh, and that conversation, mostly the one thing that I can't constantly remember about her interview is that she has she's bionic. She has implants in her ears that connect to Bluetooth to be able to allow her to do the podcast. So she was not wearing headphones, but she had uh, our voices in her ears bionically. Uh, uh, but she was an amazing uh, person, right? Yeah, really and she's uh, oh, an amazing cosplayer, and she had like all of these mannequin forms behind her and the call, it was like kind of yeah. creepy. But <laughs> that was my first thought. I didn't want to, I'm glad you said it. Oh, it reminded me like, uh, have you ever played Betrayal at House on the Hill? No, there was like seen, one seen of, trailers for it, yeah. one of the scenarios was about creepy mannequins and every, I just saw it and I was like, oh, uh, how do you sleep at night with them in there? But she manages, they're just her, her, her people, her friends. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, and then, yeah, what is there uh, another one that I think that we haven't talked about too much? Um, is uh, Adrian Palmer? I guess uh, she better known when we were talking to her was Ember Moon uh, for the WWE, and I just love that there was this connection between professional wrestling, which is kind of I, I was never a fan of wrestling, so I kind of go into that into the essay where I didn't really. Uh, love all of the tropes around that when I was a kid growing up. And in talking to her and how much she was a D&D fan, I realized just how close those two pastimes really are, right? Like you are taking on a persona and um, putting on a good show and making sure everyone has fun and is safe throughout beating the entire process. Up, you know? Beating yeah. people up while also you know, <laughs> having the illusion of, 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 of combat and stakes be very high. It literally is playing pretend in a ring in front of uh, you know thousands of people sometimes. And I think that's actually very similar to Dodge of the Dragons and how you're just, you know, everybody is on the team working together to tell this story safely for everyone, uh, as well as her personal journey of manifesting uh, that career path where she wanted to be a wrestler because she saw wrestlers and she made it happen um, and fell in love with D&D along the way because of how uh, close they were and how it's this great bond between her and her husband um, in, in, uh, in playing D&D. Uh, so yeah, I love I loved that essay and, and her as a, as a person. That is a perfect segue to the surprise question I have. Little did, oh, no. little did you know. <laughs> uh, no, this was not, this was not that bad. There, this kept me up. There's night. a lot, there's so a lot that, are, that have been, uh, um, more harrowing than this one, but I think we can all just kind of, let's all just say that D&D takes the top spot in the fandoms that we all appreciate, but what is that second spot? for fans for like you've got D. what's right below it um because i know for me personally just to give an example it's fantasy football in just about every single form but i see so much of like being a fan for D and learning everything i can and reading everything i can and oftentimes you know you have that language that is a shared language often when you talk to someone where you realize they're into fantasy football because nobody has any right to understand like what a third string running back for a team is unless they really love one team or they play fantasy football those are the only reasons mm-hmm. yeah so what's that second spot for fandom um shamelessly mine is bravo television i love the real housewives i love everything on <laughs> bravo and that is like my community i will my 
Google News feed is populated with just speculation and articles. Did you hear what Lisa Rinna said to Lisa Vanderpump? I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> but Tell I me do everything. now. I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to podcasts that recap all of the shows that I literally just watched. And I'm like, God, as I'm watching, I'm like, I can't wait to hear what they're going to say about this scene. Yep. <laughs> I, yes, I, I read all the articles, I the podcast, the the Facebook fan groups i'm in them all and it's just like this sweet little escape for me when i just it doesn't it has no impact on my life it's just fun entertainment and i just can just lull myself to sleep listening to people recap what happened on below deck mediterranean that's awesome it might not be bravo <laughs> but my wife loves the kardashians so similar right? similar yes. fandom i i get it she's all yeah. in see <laughs> what about you greg I'm going to pick an equally divisive uh, topic, <laughs> uh, but um, baseball. I really love baseball. I uh, am astounded by how much content they produce. <laughs> There's 162 games in a year. Uh, it, it's constantly having something to uh, be in my Google feed uh, and and see what happened with the with the Boston Red Sox. That's the team that I follow the most. But the good thing about being a Red Sox fan is that when uh, the Yankees are good, you have someone to root against the entire time. So now go Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, or uh, where I guess are they playing the Astros now? God, They're playing the Astros now, yeah. Yeah, they, right. So they, go oh, Astros. Even though that feels a little bit bad for many reasons. Yeah. Uh, but circa 2017, bad. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> circa uh, like last week, bad. That's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Too, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I I love following all of that. And I think baseball is uh, oftentimes thought of as like the most boring sport out there, but I love it almost for that reason because it's something that you can have in the background while you're gaming or doing something else. Uh, and when there is high moments of drama intention like during the playoffs or something like that like it becomes all that more exciting because you've lived through the mundanity and the ups and downs of the entire season to get there so uh it's a slow build and if you pay attention to it it almost feels like a fantasy journey right because you there is you so, you know in taking the ring to mortar, there was a lot of boredom along the way. <laughs> and uh, that's to that's, me sometimes is what, yeah. what Dean. That's what a the, great uh, analogy for my like. Tigers. I'm going to say they're bringing the ring to Mordor and it's just taking them a really long time to be relevant again. <laughs> so every year for baseball, I'm like, ah, they're probably going to be garbage. Yeah. So I don't know what the thrill of October baseball is like. So. You know, <laughs> and you can, you, you can, uh, you know, throw lots of money at it and have the Eagles take the, take them to Mordor, but that's not real. You can't no, actually. That's <laughs> <laughs> we give a, we give all of our money to really old players like Miguel Cabrera. That's what we do. <laughs> so I too am a Sox fan, and I have to tell you, it's because I went to a game in Fenway and I watched Big Poppy put one over the Green Monster, and I was done. That was it. There were no yeah. more questions. I'm in. I'm <laughs> all in. If you see that in the Cathedral of Baseball, that is Fenway yep. Park. Yeah. yeah, there's there's nothing better. And so yeah, so I'm all in. So we'll we'll segue back to to the the topic at hand. So one of the, the bigger questions I had with how much content you got, you have produced through Dragon Talk, like, w like where do you even start? And I, I assume this is a question you asked yourselves, and thankfully you've answered <laughs> it in the process, but where, where does someone even start? Because I think of 
I think of a lot of shows and a lot of things that look can look backwards at their back catalog, even if it's a person's home game. If you think of just the staggering amount of critical role or anything from Dimension 20 or even our own back catalog, it I think it's an interesting question to hear your perspective on. Like, what are those first steps of looking back at the things that you've made? Uh when we yeah. made the book proposal, <laughs> like, wait, that's, we, yes. How did we yeah. do that? We, I mean, we had the pitch. That was the funny thing is that we had a pitch from uh, the editor at University of Iowa Press that was like, "Hey, do you want to write this book?" And we we're like, "Yes, we do." And then we had to think about how does that actually work, right? How do we write about this podcast? And so one of the first things we did was create like a short list of guests that we wanted to write about. We wanted to kind of focus more on on the community of guests that we've been able to speak to. And those, what we found with those those lists that we made from just from memory, just from like, oh, I remember this being awesome. And I remember this one being awesome over the years in the past. Um, we weren't necessarily about them being awesome or good. It was how much of a connection Shelly or I had personally to the story that was told uh, during that interview. And so that actually ended up being kind of a guiding light for us in how we would write the book because many of these essays uh, were ones that we could add more story to or add more background or information not just rehashing what was said in the interview, but adding a little bit more about uh, each of us and our personal journeys through D&D or through life and how this interview either impacted us or or just the connection to this person's story, you know, was was echoing our own, right? And so it ended up being a really easier process than you might think uh, because we focused on, on these stronger connections, right, Shelley? Yes, and we didn't really even have a lot of crossover on our list, which was very strange. Like we had each come up with a pretty long list and there was maybe one or two names that showed up on both lists. So it was very easy to just parse it out that way. Yeah. Now, are your structures of the essays, are they all fairly similar? Like, did you have like a main way that you were planning on writing with like a point at the end of like, this is how it affected our life? Or is it just a recap of the experience with said person? What do, what, how are those essays kind of structured if somebody was going to go through and read it? So we tried to, so it's not a transcript, I should say, of the episode. Like this person said this thing and we laughed and then we went, talked about this. It's not like that necessarily at all. It, so it, every chapter, you'll know if it was written by Greg or myself. And it is just like a, we talked to this person. This is what they do. This is a little bit about like their, what's their connection to D&D. But it, they kind of organically that there was this thread of like, this is why this person resonated with me. This is, or like Greg said, like we had a similar experience or this is the the personal essay part of it really just kind of organically came through. And when we were talking about why we felt so connected to this person or why we, we felt so inspired by the work that this person was putting out there, that kind of thing. I took a cue definitely from Shelley's mode of writing. Uh, it's similar to, uh, her bachelor recaps, as well as uh, the uh, two previous D&D books uh, that she has published. Um, and once she, I think I th you might have written one of the sample essays first. And I was like, oh, OK, I can I can do that. I can, you know, model that voice. Obviously, it, it's my own voice. It's not Shelley's. But like I was like, oh, I, I, I get this kind of casual nature that we have similarly with uh, guests when we talk to them on Dragon Talk. We always try to put people at ease of being like, no, we were just chatting like this is just friends talking about something awesome you don't necessarily have to feel nervous because it's just us you know you know as if we were getting to know each other uh at, at a convention or something like that and so i think that 
casualness and that feeling of um, wanting to be, you know, genuinely interested in, in people's stories comes through in all these essays. We did want it to sort of feel like the podcast. And that's why there's a lot of footnotes also in there. Uh, you haven't seen the book, so you don't know this. There are footnotes in there where it's like Greg is is commenting on the essay, the essay that I'm writing and, and as a way of him also expressing things that that stood out to him. And we got super into the footnotes. Like we were just <laughs> it's like, like a it, whole separate book. It it became like our way of communicating with each other. We're like, that was really funny. Footnote. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like the oh, Google Doc where you would make suggestions on the side. <laughs> yeah, we were yes anding the entire time. Our yeah, editor yeah. was like, I love the idea of the footnotes, but there's about 90% too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to pare them down unless we don't, they're absolutely Shelley, it's necessary. great that you thought that was funny. Yeah, let's cut it. Just send you back an example page. As you can see here on this page, the footnotes are larger than the rest of the page. We yes. can't do this. Yeah. This book is I, now 800 pages long. I had to pull out my Bill Simmons uh, book of basketball to show, be like, no, people do oh, this yeah. sometimes. Where, oh, and, yeah. like, and I was like, yeah. oh, his footnotes are almost half of the page uh, and have completely non sequitur stories involved in just the footnotes. And so I was like, people do it. I like it. It's funny, right? And they're like, mm, not as much. Yeah. It's either the most daunting thing because I think back to my college days where you flip the page and you see that level of footnotes and you're like, this is the worst. Or you have that banter. <laughs> I and mean, then we didn't look at yeah. it. Let's be real. Or that yeah, banter back right. and forth where it's one of the, one of the, um, the best things. Um, Nested stories. Yeah. 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 Having, it's interesting also because having an editor – on, on a book like this, because I've only done things where I've had an editor on more, um, you know, crunchy mechanical things and making sure that, you know, commas are placed and verbiage is correct. But like having an editor trying to find that throughput voice, uh, like how did like how did that process go? Because you're having both Shelley, your voice and Greg, yours as well. But, you know, finding it to make it more cohesive, like I assume that in many ways that that editor has such a prominent role um, with that back and forth. And then also curbing um, the footnote enthusiasm. Oh yeah. I think that Greg's voice and my voice do blend together very nicely. Hopefully that is like why people enjoy listening to dragon talk too. Like our, the way I write and the way Greg writes is very similar to like listening to Greg talk on the podcast or listening to me tell you why I love the real housewives. It is all very, <laughs> it just, it feels like I, we, I, we want the book to, as you're reading it, that you can hear Greg's Greg is actually telling you the story in your head. And same with the essays that I wrote. She didn't have, she didn't have much uh, feedback on like the voice. I think she knew what she was getting from us. <laughs> uh, she had read my two previous books. So she knew like she was very familiar with what she was going to get out of me and she was also a dragon talk listener so she 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 knew the whole vibe of the podcast and how greg and i interact with each other so shout out to meredith uh stable uh for yes. for, for guiding the whole process around this book and i think where she really helped and shaped it was making sure the essays had context right and so I think that was really important. I don't know if we really considered it right away, but like the idea that people are going to pick this up who may not have no D and D even, um, and so that's why we start off with a <laughs> roundabout explanation of what Dungeons and Dragons is. Uh, uh, as you know, it is very hard to just encapsulate in 
a, a paragraph, let alone a sentence. And so we spend a little bit of time trying to illustrate exactly what it is for people who may not know. Obviously, it kind of sets the tone for the kind of jokey casualness that follows throughout the entire thing. And then I go into a, a, a bit of a history of Dungeons and Dragons from the 70s to now, focusing on the community and how the community has shifted and changed, while also giving the context of like, okay, this edition started here, this edition did this, this edition did that, you know, and then how culture uh, was changing also. So the idea in the 2000s about how you could be internet famous in the D&D world and how that shifted and changed and you know, everybody had a, had a, you guys included a DM name that they had um, for their for their online handle and how much that kind of changed and shifted the conversation around things. And so we we provided all that. It's about thirty pages before we get into the essays, um, so that there's context, right? Because we realize that so much of the inside baseball stuff that we talk about in the interviews, the footnotes do a good job of explaining. You know, if we if we mention a spell or something that someone who does not play D and D wouldn't wouldn't have context for, but we wanted to set the stage a little bit for this period of D and D. You know, from from around 2015 when I started working at Wizards to to now. Yeah, and and that wouldn't have happened without Meredith. Yeah, it's uh, one of the recent episodes we did was we basically did D and D autocomplete, where you know you type in D and D is and you see what the most common Google questions asks asked are but one of the pieces of info that came out that i was really surprising to me was the median age of people that play D now my assumption mm. would be that with it going as long as it has that 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 would be ever increasing wildly wrong i also realize this probably because that that age range doesn't have the responsibilities i now have um and that's probably why they, <laughs> why they play more uh, but that, that's a whole nother podcast but the idea that like that basically 20s to 30s age range is still the most prominent play category in terms of age is so interesting because of how like you're saying how different that group is you know every 10 years that cycle of what's most important to them because i think like 15 years ago we didn't even have social media exactly and, right and how much that changed yeah, so it's everything. really interesting to see it develop and the people that bring it bring new new ideas into it and evolve it into that next iteration of not even not even mechanically speaking of just what playing D D is and that like, how do you explain it do you want to tell me what playing D D is today or do you want me to tell you what playing D D was 40 years ago because yeah, those are totally. two different books not just you know even paragraphs <laughs> um, yeah yeah I was just going to say, uh, in response to uh, your thought, Neil, about it, it's continuing to skew younger, I had one of my um, uh, eye-opening experiences when sometimes uh, students of journalism will contact, be like, oh, I have to write a, a, a paper about, or I have to write a, uh, an interview. I want to interview d because I love, you know, being, I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do, I'll do a mock interview, even though it's a real interview uh, for them. And one of the questions I got from this 19-year-old college student was like, can you tell me why it's so popular on campus right now and every single person is playing Dungeons and Dragons? And I was like, oh, really? Can you tell yeah. me? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I'm a, I, I didn't know that was. I, I mean, don't I go I, to the University of Florida, so I can't tell you that. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it seemed like they had, they didn't have the context of me being, you know, older and not really experiencing that. When I was in college, they were just like, it's happening. Everyone is doing it. And I was like, wow, okay, there really is. And of course, we capture as much data as we can uh, working on the D&D brand. And we knew it was younger, but that for some reason cemented that fact to me where I'm like, oh, there are this entire generation of people who who honestly even know who Shelly and I are because of this podcast. And that blows my mind when 
you know, uh, I have a niece or a nephew who's in high school and they're like, oh, my, my boyfriend now knows who you are. And I'm like, I, what? I, that doesn't make any sense. How does that compute from Florida? Uh, what? Uh, so there is this cr constant reimagining and reinvigorating of the D&D community. And we're hoping that's been a tenant of what Dungeons and uh, Dragon Talk has been for Dungeons and Dragons this whole time is that come on in, come play, be a part of this. In, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what background you come from, who you are, the color of your skin. Let's play Dungeons and Dragons together because I think it is uh, a net good for humanity out there. Um, and it's really great to be able to have this book to be maybe, you know, another guidepost along the way of like, oh, yeah, if you're D&D &D curious, you might want to start up a group and, and, and join one. I mean, I just hearing you guys talk about the Internet fame that comes with it, like I uh, have a friend of mine who I met and doing a uh, program um, through a college out in uh, LA. So I had to go out there for an intensive recently. Met him for the first time. He's in his 40s. And his 15-year-old daughter was like, hey, I'm really curious. Like, she loves D&D. She watches Critical Role all the time and, like, is really interested in D&D, but never had a group to play with, right? He wow. grew up very rural Virginia. I grew up in, Grand in, like, Michigan. So, like, Satanic Panic era, right, of, like, Totally. It, you couldn't find things online because it wasn't there in the nineties. <laughs> like you like so if your parents said no, like it was no, you couldn't even like find it unless you bought the book and tried to hide it somewhere in your house and <laughs> you had fifty dollars to like buy a book when you're, you know, twelve. Nobody does, you know? So he was it was interesting to hear him talk and he's like, I was curious about it. And so because of the internet, he's like, We could go and watch Critical Role together we could go and listen to some of these other podcasts together. And he's like, I helped him find like the adventurers league website and find a place for him to like, be able to find somewhere to do like the learn to play stuff. And he just That's messaged right. me last week and was like, that was the greatest experience that I've had with my 15 year old who I have oh. struggled to connect with yes, over exactly. for a long time, you know? And he's like, he's like, that stuff that I grew up with, he's like, it's not, he's like, it's literally like, <laughs> he's like, it's Lord of the Rings, choose your own adventure style, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's what I tried to tell my parents when I was younger, you know? And like, it's just beautiful that they but you're had summoning the opportunities. Demons. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean that too. We just don't talk about that. <laughs> the demons. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't even up a get me bit. started on the Lord of the Rings. Like, I know. How, yeah, anyways. Um, I'm, I love that. I love any type yeah. of connection with with parents and daughters. It but you're talking about that, like internet being able to unlock this for a lot of people, where it wasn't able to be done even up to like ten years ago. It was still somewhat difficult to find digital copies of books. You know, like totally. it was still hard to find that, and now it's become even more increasingly. And I think that definitely feeds into some of that popularity and the virtual or the viralness of something that it can pick up on and the beauty of those sorts of opportunities that have come because of the change in technology and the um, intentionality of wizards to really in ways that they probably didn't have to D and D would have survived, but they, you know, decided to invest in things like a podcast and social media platforms and whatnot that have helped get it out to oh, totally. families of dads who are having a hard time connecting yes. with their daughters who now they have this thing they can go to regularly and, and play that's together, amazing. and know? talk about together. And that's like the, that's the other really powerful thing about Dungeons and Dragons is that generational appeal is that a lot of the fans that discovered D&D &D in the 80s and the 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s are parents and their kids are starting to discover it or they they're introducing their kids to it. And, and just like the story you just told, like it is that wonderful connection point that you can have with your kid. But also it's like 
rewatching like just rediscovering it through their eyes, which people always said like before you had kids. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, come on. Like finally I, I can see out of like 2020 eyes and not like the 15 pairs of contacts I have to shove in my eyes every day. But I get it now. That's too like, many yeah, that's contacts. Not, not, contacts. Really, yeah. Yeah. not wrong. Am I think I, there was an article the other day about it. a doctor pulling 12 uh-huh. off of a patient. Well, that actually <laughs> yeah. makes me throw up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Put that in your uh, Wild Beyond the Witch Light campaign. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Somebody wearing 15 contacts. They're just world. like sticking out like so far out of their eyeballs. Hello, kids. Uh <laughs> I love that too. I mean, and that and that's why this book. I, I what I like about this book too is because it becomes a record of that moment in time, right? I started at Wizards the same week that Critical Air first, uh, Critical Role first aired on Twitch, and so there was this moment of like, oh, this is a sea change. This is where things kind of uh, you know grew and changed because of that ubiquitousness of being able to watch people play Dungeons and Dragons and yeah. listen to people play Dungeons and Dragons is really helped that growth and, and encouraged it uh going forward and so yeah that's that's a big part of what we discuss in this book as well as you know many of the guests that we uh talk to are you know are known because of being streamers or or, or being um front and center and, and and being part of that proselytizing about why DD is so cool and so yeah that that to me is also a really big uh fun part about this book is it, it being a record of this moment in time so you had already kind of brought it up, but what was there anything else, I guess, surprising to either of you when you start to look back? Because I know for for it's happened several times and we'll just admit it on air. And that's totally fine. There may have been several times where we were like, ah, we've never talked about that topic. And then we definitely just talk about it again and create a whole nother episode about the exact same thing, <laughs> which is typically fine because it's year separated and it, it, we have a different guest on and it's a great podcast. But were there things that surprised you similar to my example where like just looking back at those times and then like really delving into because like you said, you're thinking about like how that not just what was said, but how you felt about the things that were said, you know, and so looking back, especially um, over that span, were there elements that surprised you in doing the basically the research for the book? I think some of of the the things that surprised me and getting to talk to people every week about their D&D experiences was I kind of, I suspected it. I always suspected it and was never able to put my finger on it. But continuing to hear the profound impact this game has on people's lives. And it's just like, oh, like every week, like, blows your mind that this little game that we're just out here making is like really having these deep emotional impacts on people's lives in like in very, very positive ways. And it's just we're very lucky. I consider Greg and I to be two of the luckiest of all the wizards <laughs> because we get to talk to these amazing people from the community who are just so willing to share their passion, their excitement and their experiences around this game. I think that all really came to a head, especially when we talked to Rufus Hound, who Greg writes about so wonderfully in the book. Um, he is a British comedian, uh, actor, and I'm not going to spoil it. Go, please listen to that episode if you haven't listened. And if you really want to hear Greg and I openly weeping on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Along with him. Along with him. But like that story was like, holy cow. Like this, there, it's more than just entertainment for people. And I just think that is, that is so important. So that really the surprising thing is how little this feels like a day job to me that it's, I'm, absolutely excited 
to come to work every day and continue to find ways to bring Dungeons and Dragons to more people, especially the kids. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to plus one on that for sure. Like it is wonderful to get completely reminded each time, uh, each week that what we're doing and marketing this book uh, for our jobs is meaningful. It's not just, you know, uh, a, a day job for us. It just feels like, oh yeah, we constantly get reminded of how cool that is. Um, but one thing that was surprising going back a little bit more of just a detail kind of tidbit type of thing was going back to the um, interview that we did with Rain Wilson. Um, it was one of our <laughs> yeah. first interviews that we did. He was do promoting a book, so it was part of his book tour. I still love the fact that I think he just did it because he thought it would be a lark. Like, you know, yeah. I, I talked to the <laughs> D&D podcast, uh, you know, to promote my book. Well, you know, how funny is that? Uh, but I think I didn't even realize uh, I, I wanted to write about this and listen to it again. And he said that Dwight Schrute was uh, based on a D&D friend that he had in the Pacific Northwest. And <laughs> That's awesome. I never I was like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot that detail that like, you know, D&D &D inspired one of the most iconic characters in, in American sitcom television over the last 40 years really i don't want to overstate the importance of the office but it really was like oh my god i can't believe that this this experience that that rain wilson had playing dungeons and dragons as a kid um you know and and the relationships that he made then informed something that is uh you know in every you know so many people's daily you know memes and life uh like the office Part of me wonders if like that person in his D&D group really annoyed him to no end when they were actually <laughs> playing in a group. I, I think so, honestly. Character. And yep. but because he lost touch and actually in the essay and in the interview, he's like, hey, open call to this. He names the person uh, and he's like, oh, I've been trying wow. to get in touch with so you. So funny. And it's still like, hey, if that person wants to get in touch, they certainly still can. And and, uh, you know, be a little bit more this open. person who's obsessed. Stop talking about Battlestar Galactica and beats. <laughs> I don't Bears, care. Beats, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> well, the funniest thing, though, is. If there's one person through my entire D&D career that is most likely to just like pluck out and put into a sitcom and be a character and require no editing, their name is Dwight. So I don't know what to do <laughs> right now. I'm having a, I'm having a bit of a moment. Um, Maybe it's the same person. No, he doesn't live far enough north. But the other thing I will say that that is a much more serious thing because it it kind of echoes on itself because it was a piece of advice that I had mentioned offhandedly only to hear someone bring it back to me and say it was the best piece of advice that they have ever heard. And I think it applies to certainly all four of us right now. But as a content creator, one of the things is the content you create has the potential to be more meaningful for the person that consumes it than it will ever be to you. So the things mm. that you guys do with Dragon Talk, there is a chance that it finds a person at the right time and the right way. And those episodes, individual I, episodes yes. become more important because you could have you could have been having the worst day, but you're already scheduled and you're going to go through it and you're a professional and you can make it happen. It sounds great. It gets edited. Of course, it sounds great, but it can find that person in just the right way and become more important to them than it yes. could ever be to you. And so that is one of the weirdest and best things about being a content creator and it's always something to keep in mind is that what we do will inevitably mean more to someone than it could ever mean to us and that's just wild yes that's yeah. beautifully said yes. yeah and, and i think that's true even of being a dungeon master as well like I, the number of times that i've had people come to the table it's like i just needed this today 
you know, to just sit down and play. And how many times I've just needed that to like run a game and to say like, I just needed this today to just like, totally. it could have been the worst day or the worst week or whatever. And you can sit down and play at a table and say, this was the most meaningful thing probably to somebody maybe of an entire week because it wasn't them dealing with whatever other stuff that happens in normal everyday life, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah. It's a good word. That became that became so apparent during the pandemic. And in many ways, this book is a pandemic book because we were writing it uh, from uh, true. Like around September 2020 to we completed it in 2021. So it was certainly on our minds. Uh, and many of the guests that we we, we talk about here, uh, you know, we, we interviewed during during that time, uh, one of which was B. Dave Walters. Uh, I think I mentioned this uh, before, but like he had had this amazing ability to be a guest on dragon talk when we needed it most uh, in weird ways like he talked us up and and uh, the one that I'm, I'm i'm thinking of was um i think uh maybe like april or may 2020 uh and he said such amazing wonderful things about just the fact that we were continuing making dragon talk uh while the rest of the world shut down and it was what I needed to hear at that time. And one of the reasons why I think he is not just the fighter mage thief of the D&D community. It took a long time for him to level up and he's the most powerful person there is. Um, but he's also a fighter mage cleric uh, because he was able to inspire us so well of, of, of being that almost spiritual guidance of being like what, what, what you all are doing, just talking to people and continuing to be excited about Dungeons and Dragons during what was uh, a really hard time for a lot of people externally uh, was was important. And yeah. just like what you're saying, that it can be meaningful just the fact that there is content out there um, to uh, to be experienced uh, at the right moment and the right time. Yeah, it was probably hard for him too. Like during, it was hard for everybody, but yet he still found it within himself to like continue to lift people up. Oh, B. Dave, we love Agreed. you. Agreed. And and then you meet him in person, and just like every Zoom call, you figure out, wow, I'm not as tall. You're really yeah, tall. Yeah, I'm very short. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Didn't know that. Now I do. Keep looking up for yep. days. So, uh, and then my most important question um, to round us out is, where can people go to find all the stuff that you both are doing, and then certainly the best place for them to go get the book? So Welcome to Dragon Talk is the book. It is uh, subtitled Inspiring Conversations About Dungeons and Dragons and the People Who Love to Play It. It is officially published on December 5th, but you can pre-order it now from the University of Iowa Press website, your local retailer. You can pre-order it from there. We love everybody uh, in the local bookselling community, so certainly uh, support your local bookseller. You can get it through online retailers, and we're told if you order it now or pre-order it, you can actually get it before December 5th, up to a month early, uh, actually, we are told. So it's out there, it's it's available. Uh, again, December 5th is the official publication date, but you know, if you uh, if you wanna jump out there and buy it now, you can. Um, and then myself personally, I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram, and uh, you can find out about you know, all the fun stuff that we're doing about Welcome to Dragon Talk, as well as the short film I mentioned earlier, Ex-Husband Film. And I do a Star Trek rewatch podcast called Re-Engage, 
uh, that you can find out about uh, through my social media. That medias. is super random. I'm going to say, if you need someone, you just let me know. My greatest childhood memories are watching LeVar Burton in the morning and watching LeVar Burton at night. Because <laughs> oh, yes. that, that, those were my days. I'm like, oh, here he is, and, oh. and I would watch him, and then I would watch uh, TNG with my dad at night. Um, so those are my like some of my favorite childhood memories. Does the same roles in both shows? It kind of does. Right? It's one he happens uh, to be wearing amazing. a visor. So. You don't have to take my word for it. You can't do that with the warp engine right now. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> um, did you mention Dragon Talk? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you can watch, uh, listen to Dragon Talk every week. No, you do go ahead. Yeah. Just you can listen to Dragon Talk anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, so, yeah, give it a listen. Definitely. Uh, you'll, if you read the book and listen to Dragon Talk, you will find, oh, yes, yes, I remember that, that episode. There will be some familiar stories in there. And hopefully these are ones that connected with you too. And you can find me on social at Shelly Moo on Twitter or Instagram. And you can find, um, if you want to like see some of those Bachelor recaps or talk about Bravo Television, go to my website at ShellyMazanoble.com. Perfect, and then we'll have links. So, we'll have links to the show notes um, uh, where you can. Yeah, I, I'm like one click away from having the book apparently show up at my door in like a week. Um, so, so we'll have. Well, like I said, we'll have all. Please those let us know. I point to the show notes like they can see me. They can't. And just, just, <laughs> just go later. Go to the show notes. You can hear it in they your voice. I can. Yes. Down. You yes. definitely won't go up. You will go down. You can hear it. Um, but, <laughs> but again, we just want to thank both of you for coming on and spending some time and sharing those stories, um, like you do all the time on Dragon Talk. Thank well, you. And thank you. This is awesome. I uh, since I've been on many years ago, I've not listened to every episode of uh, of the DMs block, but I love when I do have the opportunity to to hear all the creative stuff that you guys come up with about scenarios and campaigns, and I always get inspired. So you're doing uh, Peller's work by inspiring everyone out there. To <laughs> that's be great. Our better, vision in 2014 is still happening today. That's, yes, that's good it's working. It's good. It's working. Very impressive. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. We just want to thank Greg and Shelly again for coming on, spending some time with us, and talking Dragon Talk and Dungeons and Dragons, of course. And if you liked what you heard here, or you want to tell us your own story about Dungeons and Dragons and how it has affected you, then definitely head on over and send us an email at dungeonmastersblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you see fit, you can leave us an iTunes review that we'll read out on air. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at DMS underscore block on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, find our discord, find, just find us. We'll be there. And if we're not there, let us know in one of those ways. And then maybe we can be there as well. Cause who knows what wonderful social media platform is coming out next. And of course the dungeon masters block. It's a proud member of the block party podcast network where you can check out other shows like Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, and more. But thank you for spending some time with us and listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Master.
Goodbye.